So I want us to come to the table of the Lord together. And again, our focus just is to get around a portion of Scripture and celebrate that as the primary thing we want to emphasize in our gathering as a church. So before I even start with where I feel we're to go in terms of an overall direction, I want to just read the Scripture. And I want you to realize the community groups that are participating with the focus on a Sunday are asking these four questions over the core portion of Scripture each week. And it's just talking about what is it revealing to us about God? What does the Bible tell us about God when we're looking at this? What does it reveal to us about us? What are the things that we should do in response to being obedient to what God's speaking? And who might we share it with this week? Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 14 to 17. Lord, I thank you that your blessing is upon the reading of your word beyond what we've comprehended and understood. And I pray that we would experience a sense of your presence way you desire for us to experience a sense of your presence when we look into scripture that ancient anointing begins to be released in a profound and significant way for the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance the former governors in contrast had laid heavy burdens on the people demanding a daily ration of food and wine. Besides 40 pieces of silver, even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing. Really important text. Even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from other lands. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of the reading of your word. Help us to draw closer to your heart as a result of our coming together as a family. We ask your blessing in this room, your blessing on everyone online. Lord, awaken something within us, we pray that helps us to live a life closer in proximity and relationship with you and each other. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, you can be seated. Great to see you all here uh, this morning. Welcome to our online uh, community. And I will let you know, those of you online, uh, we are going to take and receive communion as a family at the end of our um, time of ministry today. So if you're at home watching, you might want to gather some crackers and juice or the equivalent thereof. It's really a symbolic expression. It's kind of irrelevant. If you want to use orange juice, feel free. But whatever you have handy, it's really about a matter of the heart. And at the conclusion, we'll do that all together on a very, uh, in a very specific way. I do also just want to say, um, we noticed last week our first service was so full, we really needed to open the curtains to expand the seating. Um, but the second service at 1130 uh, has not had that uh, capacity issue. So we're encouraging everybody to consider that 1130. I think some of them have. There are a few seats available here uh, this morning. So we'll keep you posted on how that's going. But we want to try and accommodate well uh, as possible in the, in the journey together. There's no way we could get both of those services all in here and not overwhelm um, the facility uh, as it is right now. So we had, I think, 45 uh, children in the 
D Kids Junior area, just this area, checked in the first service last week alone. So um, that's exciting. Just let Pastor Tiffany know you love her a lot when you see her, would you? She was scrambling to pull others uh, that weren't on the schedule in when they had that take place. So thank God. It's a good thing um, to gather together and worship. So glad you're here. I uh, Just kind of as a matter of, of housekeeping as we talk about today, I'm going to we're going to, the title today is Faith Through Love. You probably have your notes on your phone or you picked up a, a card if you're uh, wanting the, the digital format. I'm sorry, the, the analog format. Um, but it, it is important that we just mention, we do a lot of things as a church family that I guess in one sense um, gets credited to our account as a part of a family because we're making a difference in the lives of people in our community. It's been a very difficult year for a lot of families in the course of this last year, particularly COVID. And uh, I just evaluated with Heather yesterday um, what our benevolent giving looked like. That's when a family is in a crisis or in a difficult time. And then we as a church come and step alongside. And, and that would involve people in the community to some degree. But largely, that's a focus of our own church family. And uh, this last year... We as a church uh, gave $44,000 in benevolence to minister to people that were in a crisis moment. I want you to know that's a big deal. Uh, that touches the heart of God, agreed? And so I would encourage you just in your giving, as you give online, uh, maybe you give here or however you do that, but when you are giving your tithe, include offering and consider benevolence. Some of you might be able to write a substantial benevolent expression just to help us help others because we're walking through some of those things now. We've got a few families this week we're actually working to work with. And it's just a good thing to uh, serve the heart of Jesus in that way. Uh, you can text give to the number on the screen there and get that information right to your phone if you're interested in being a part of that. You know, Tracy and I are just talking this last week about what it is to live our life in light of eternity. And um, some of the things that we're involved in, in ministry expressions, even in the UK, uh, we're just looking at all that thinking, what is it like to really live our lives in light of eternity? I'm supposed to travel there in October, um, in about a month actually, September, October, to speak at Steve Upple's conference. And, um, and as we're looking at kind of what the travel limitations and restrictions are that may not happen, and we're just praying and asking the Lord for wisdom and all that, to be honest with you, I'd kind of rather not deal with all of it. How many of you can relate, like, have to mess with the flights and what it means for quarantine? But the, the only thing that really matters is not what I want or don't want to do. What really matters is how do we live our lives in light of eternity? And so rather than making a decision on, based on convenience, I want to make a decision based on the call of God. And so you may know who Lou Engle is. He was to be the other speaker at this conference, and I was kind of looking forward to being around him just to get an impartation to carry back because he's such an <coughs> incredible man of prayer. And that could be part of the assignment. Maybe it's not part of it. But my, my point is just simply today as we step into this uh, a little deeper, I want us to recognize there's something of substance that God is calling us to focus on and not just celebration. The celebration. I mean, no, there's always substance beneath the celebration. Um, it, it usually takes about 20 years to become an overnight success. You know what I'm saying? 
Uh, it means there's a lot of substance beneath the celebration. When you're celebrating that moment of success, it's because there's been a lot of substance, a lot of price paid, a lot of, uh, a lot of things have taken place. There's always behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm so excited about this. This morning, we, uh, all of our serve team shows up at 9 o'clock in this room. It's amazing how many people are serving and are here at 9 a.m. There's probably 50, 60 people that are standing here worshiping and crying out to God and praying over the morning at 9 o'clock, and, and Pastor Tabitha was leading that charge, and and she just started naming the people, who, the, the groups of people who come early and make it all happen. And we were celebrating the, the camera team, the tech team, the people that are in the cave back there behind the wall that most of you don't even know exists. And it's, you know, producing all of this further. The worship team that comes so early. I'd like to just take a moment and say, I mean, the communion stations that are set up, Katie working on so many of those things, teams doing so many things in preparation, chairs look nice, the seats or backs are filled. That doesn't just happen. That happens because there's some substance beneath the celebration. So can we just say a great big thank you to everybody who's serving to make all that happen. <laughs> substance beneath the celebration there's always more going on behind the scenes you agree uh, behind every good man can you finish it with me is a surprised mother-in-law <laughs> made me made me think of a um, story of a mayor walking through the community that he was uh, the mayor of and his wife's with him and they walk by a construction site and this construction foreman shouts out her name hey martha and the mayor's a little taken but you know his wife is hey she waves back and he said well who's who's the construction guy a little put off you know his wife's interacting with this man right here <clears throat> and she said oh he was actually my uh, boyfriend in high school and uh, you know things didn't work out and here we are you know she was trying to encourage him and and smugly he looked at her and he said yeah well if you would have uh, continued in that relationship, today you'd be married to a construction worker. To which she responded, no, I'd be married to the mayor. <laughs> Him, he would be the mayor. <laughs> Behind every good man <laughs> is somebody who's making it happen. Behind every good woman is a really good man. Would you agree with that, Tracy? Amen. <laughs> Several of you have shared your condolences with me for getting myself in so much trouble last week. I do appreciate <clears throat> the love. I'll go easy uh, this year, or this, this Sunday. Maybe this year, too. <clears throat> what I have learned uh, in my wonderful marriage with my amazing wife, who I love deeply and think is the greatest treasure God has ever given me next to Jesus Christ. That's pretty good. <clears throat> I'm climbing out. A great marriage... Is, is not made up of a public image of relationship. One of the greatest problems I see in working with pastors is they're so concerned with their children's last name that they have little concern with their children's first name. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, your, your behavior reflects bad on me as opposed to who are you? And, I, and this is a really important principle for all of us <laughs> to understand. Uh, a great marriage isn't made of a public image of the relationship. The celebration of the relationship is great, but there's something deeper beneath the celebration that's the substance of what exists. A great family isn't made from the public image of a family. But what happens in the unseen places 
is what actually produces stability and substance that we observe in the observable spaces of that which exists. Family, relationship, work, business, whatever it may be, church. Let me say it again. What happens in the unseen places produces stability and substance in what, uh, what we see in the natural. So Paul is addressing this in Galatians chapter 5, which is going to take us to this expression that we just read on uh, Nehemiah. But if you think about it, the book of Galatians is written by Paul to a bunch of legalistic thinkers. Uh, they had accepted Christ by grace, and then they started shifting back and, and kind of retracting into legalism, focusing in on, yes, it is the grace of Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. Yes, it is the grace of Jesus, but you know, you, there are other things that you need to, don't, don't get too crazy on just Jesus and grace. There's some law that we still want to hang on to. That's, that's what he was addressing with this letter. And that's why we read something like this, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. That phrase has stuck with me since I just started focusing on it personally in my reading about a year ago. The only thing that counts, all the things we do, all the efforts we make in serving the Lord our God, the only thing that counts, I mean, the Bible says this is the only thing that counts. I think we should probably pay attention if this is the only thing that counts because that means everything that matters is going to fit in this circle. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So much of what we are addressing in this season of the church here as a church family and in networks of leaders and churches that we're uh, encouraging. And, and in fact, tonight, Tracy and I will be going to minister to a place a couple hours away, just a, a group of leaders and, and pastors and, that are networking together. And the, the, the thing that we're realizing, the problem, the concern that's taking place in the Western world church is the pursuit of an image. The pursuit of an image is problematic. The pursuit of an image converts the celebration into a marketable advertising expression and neglects the substance beneath the celebration that God actually is wanting to work at, work on, deal with us on. And so we're trying to, just, to explore the substance beneath the celebration. What is the substance beneath the celebration in all of our lives? Because when we choose surface instead of substance, we are left with presentations lacking power. How many of you realize this gospel is not a powerless motivational speech message? This gospel is a world-transforming, powerful message revelation of Jesus Christ. Where the love of Jesus expressed through faith is all that really matters. Nehemiah chapter 5. The heart of Nehemiah is so profoundly significant in this. And if you'll just catch it, this is the, his heart to serve the purposes of God really became the foundation upon which the work of God in the earth was being rebuilt and reestablished. I believe it's largely what's happening in our, in our season of our generation right now. Nehemiah 5, 14 and six, to 16, for the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, Neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. 
The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine. Besides 40 pieces of silver, even uh, besides the 40 pieces of silver, even their assistants took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. How you believe determines, what you believe determines how you behave. Because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land, and I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall as well. So Nehemiah had this powerful position over people, but he saw his position not as uh, something to use to his own advantage. He didn't weaponize his role of leadership to dominate the people around him, but rather he embraced in an attitude of humility and fear of God that he would cooperate with what God's desires were in that moment above his own desires. He could have used his position and his power and the resources of his life to acquire more of what he personally selfishly wanted, but he did not. Why? What was the key phrase that kept him from behaving that way? He feared God in an attitude of humility before God, saying, Lord, I lay my life down before you. I pursue something more than the joy of celebration for myself. I want to pursue the substance beneath the celebration that I'm contributing to that will actually outlast my life and will make an impact in the lives of people beyond our generation. So this really did become the foundation upon which the work of God in the earth was being built. What's the work of God being built in the earth today? It's the church. How many of you think the church might have some walls broken down? And Nehemiah grieved over the broken down walls. And he began to address things from a, a deeper element of substance. And that's what God is desiring for us to understand. Final verse he said, and this is where we're focusing. You see the tables in the room. You see the tables in your home. It's just to remind us that there is power uh, to experience around the altar of the table when we allow ourselves to serve uh, our neighbors, our friends, our family sacrificially at the table of the Lord. Nehemiah 5.17, I asked for nothing even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table. That's a lot of table talk. Besides all the visitors from the other lands, he invited guests and officials to his table. How many of you believe having a, a relationship with officials at your table probably contributes to access to be able to build what's going on socially in that community? I mean, that probably had a whole lot more to do with his success than what any of us can realize. In other words, there's substance that went in in preparation for one day a celebration when the walls would be rebuilt and everybody would be celebrating and you wouldn't necessarily be thinking about all the people Nehemiah had had conversations with around a table, developing a deeper level of a substantial conversation that was taking place. This is significant for every single one of us. Christian hospitality. Let's say that word together, those two words. Christian hospitality. Let's say it one more time. Somebody just type it in online. Christian hospitality. I mean, it's such an important revelation in the body of Christ. 
pastors and leaders aren't supposed to, listen carefully, pastors and leaders are not supposed to be in roles of leadership in the church if they're not demonstrating Christian hospitality as one of the characteristics of their personal lives. This is important. If church leaders aren't supposed to be in roles of leadership, if they're not demonstrating Christian hospitality, then clearly that aligns also with where Paul says the entire church should be practicing and demonstrating Christian hospitality. It's important for church leaders to carry this because we should be setting the tone. We should be uh, paving the way, setting an example. And all of us should be exploring the power of Christian hospitality because Christian hospitality is the substance beneath the celebration. Christian hospitality is the substance beneath our worships. Christian hospitality is the substance beneath sermons that people will hear preached. People don't need more information in the age of information. They need to know the love of Jesus. They're going to experience that not by way of great sermons preached, but they're going to experience that by way of your personal interaction individually with every person within your five-foot circle in a way that lays down your rights at the foot of the cross and says, I want to build the work of the Lord in the earth in a way that glorifies God, dignifies others, and doesn't take advantage of my, my positions or my possessions for my own uh, gain. So Christian hospitality is such an important element that we need to understand. And this is why God tells us to connect the public places of work and worship God tells us to connect the public places of work and worship to the private space of the home. Now, how many of you know what I'm saying absolutely is countercultural in the day in which we live? But the gospel of Jesus Christ is countercultural to the world system. It's the kingdom culture that we're trying to embrace and express. If we're just cooperating with the world's culture, trying to insert Bible verses here and there and call that Christianity, then we may be missing something deeper that is the substance of our faith, and that's why we need to understand it. So this is an important statement. God tells us connect the public spaces of work and worship with the private space of our home. This is why the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans uh, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 13, get into the practice of inviting guests home for dinner get into the practice of inviting guests home for dinner. I, it's important that we have meals together, spend time together, and it's great. Tracy and I will go out to dinner, meet at restaurants with people, and that's really uh, a good part of our hospitality. But the best part of our hospitality is a more sacrificial approach to hospitality, and that is to actually invite someone into our home. Home is where the heart is, <laughs> into the heart of our home, sitting around a table where we're engaging in conversation together. We're exploring what that looks like, and it's not convenient. But much like Nehemiah said, I will sacrifice my convenience for the sake of building the work of God on the earth. So are you and I called to move past the easier side of celebration to the deeper commitment of substance. Our city, do you believe this to be true? Because it's an indictment to all of us. Our city will be transformed by our hospitality long before it will be transformed by sermons being preached in our churches. <sighs> Who are you loving well? You know that we are outrageously loving people. Have you heard this in a while? The five core values that we know the Lord's called us to camp around. We are outrageously loving people. 
who passionately pursue the Lord. I know uh, the judges are leading the charge in our Discover Destiny community group. Wednesday night, 7 p.m., you can come. Week two is this week. If you've not been through that, consider it, because we'd like to walk through what this means in terms of your own life uh, right upstairs in, that, in this building, in the middle room. 7 o'clock Wednesday is that. And, and this week, we'll talk about passionately pursuing. But here, here's the statement. We are outrageously loving people who passionately pursue the Lord with irrationally giving lifestyles as we consistently submit to God's desires and effectively disciple others to do the same. Some of you have heard that enough that you've learned it. It's a long declaration. It's ultimately every, uh, every year in the beginning of the year, the first 40 days, we focus on those five concepts, and it all begins with love, outrageous. How I many know we are outrageously loving people? I'm amazed at how many people who have come to this church over the years that we've had the privilege of leading it have said to me, the church is just so friendly. I actually had a guy tell me uh, when he came to the church one time, your church is so friendly, it made me a little uncomfortable. A guy started talking to me at the urinal in the bathroom. Easy on the friendliness, guys. <clears throat> but, I mean, we are a loving congregational family, and I think that's a beautiful thing. But here's my question to you individually. Let's go to the substance of this, not just the celebration of it together. Do people who know you personally, individually, think of you as a loving person, or do they think of you as an outrageously loving person even? Because this has to land on us to cause us to dig into the substance of what God's desiring to reveal and not just become a celebration that lacks the substance or we're missing the point altogether. So you, you've heard it said a million times, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Anybody know where that's found in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, Second Opinion 316. It's not in the Bible. It's a good, it's a good phrase, though. <clears throat> People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. How many of you know listening takes place on a different level when a person feels loved and embraced? When a person feels cared for, and you're not just trying to give them your opinion of something, but you're actually seeking to be to understand before you're seeking to be understood. If all you're ever doing is seeking to be understood, then you're just going to keep putting a distance. And the relationship of somebody feeling cared for opens a doorway for something to go deeper. So this is the very idea uh, why I want to make sure everybody understands something really central to your life. And it's a really significant word for us. It's your commission today. Hospitality within the church family begins with treasuring a table life with your own family. Let's not run out and save the world and lose sight of the people that live in our very home. The people that are our closest covenant relationships, maybe not even bloodline family members, but the people that we would say are family uh, beyond that in some cases. Hospitality within the church begins by treasuring a table life within our own family. I think about Faith and Lexi sitting here on the front row, and I'm so thankful um, on the journey of watching them grow up. They've become young adults who love Jesus, love the church, love our family, love each other. Uh, they got their issues. <laughs> I'll tell you, they got some issues, but they got them from their daddy. Uh, and so Tracy's helping them work that out. Uh, but, you know, I'm just so deeply grateful that we've created a culture in our home where we hear each other and we hear God and we talk openly about any question. That is such an important part of your home and your family. And our culture, if you'll just hear this, our culture lures us away from the table. 
so much. That's why this is a countercultural idea, not just for friends and coworkers, but also for family. Because we are constantly eat and run, eat on the run, eat fast food, eat alone, eat in the van, eat in front of the computer, eat in shifts, eat whenever, whatever you need to do to get some food stuffed down your throat so that you can keep going with the busyness of your day. Anybody relate to this? I mean, we are constantly moving, zipping, going. I mean, life, we have allowed ourselves in so many respects to fill our schedules. And different seasons of life, I understand, have different expressions in the way that works out. But we have allowed ourselves as adults to become so busy in going in every direction that we've many times lost the fine art of hospitality in our home with our own family. You need to understand that the secularized culture that we live in has a tremendous influence on our homes. You can't keep your children from hearing offensive language and ideas when they are not under your care. You can't keep your children from uh, being accosted with inappropriate content in social media when they're not under your immediate observation. This is becoming more and more of an issue that needs to be more and more addressed, and we all need to understand it. I, I, I know it's silly. I play this game on my phone. <clears throat> when we watch a movie, I, I play this game. It's a kid game, and I just like conquering level after level. I don't want anything hard. I don't want anything difficult. I want to mindlessly push a button and conquer levels and feel like I'm a better man of God as a result of having 6,542 levels conquered. Amen. And yesterday, I'm, I'm conquering a level, and, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, the, the ad comes up. You either buy the game, you pay for the game, or you play the game, and you have to watch an ad every certain amount of time, and the game's free. Kid game. Tracy's sitting in the office, and I'm, I'm playing the game. I conquer the level. I look at my screen, I hold it up, and I said, look at this. And the kid game that I'm playing is age-appropriate for children, but the ads are not. And there was a game option that you could play poker, pick the woman in the clothing that you wanted to play poker with, and when you win, you either get the poker chips or you touch the clothing item that you want the woman to remove because you won in strip poker. You just need to pay attention to what's going on in the world in which we live. Because you can't, this is not like the world's influence on your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives. It's not like tide going in and tide coming out. It has become like fire hydrant blasting in their face all of the time. But God gives every believer an ark called the home and an altar called the table where we have the capacity and the power and the ability to address such issues on a deeper level than just chasing after your lustful responses to what the world, the, the world has to provide. Animals lap their bowls and leave. That's what animals do. But people, we're designed by God to enjoy food in the context of enriched community. So I just want to encourage you in something today. This, discovering the substance beneath the celebration in your homes around a meal. Be spontaneous. Uh, purpose this time 
Let me give you a couple of ideas, things that are just really simple to do. Prepare the meal, whatever the meal is. It doesn't matter if it's beanie weenies, okay? Paper plates are fine. Can I just reiterate this particular point? And so get your beanie weenies going and whatever your meal is. <laughs> I'm going to step over here. <laughs> get your meal all set up. And then do something like this. Turn off the lights and light a candle. You just took the meal to almost a mysterious expression of what's going on. Or invite everybody purposefully. It's family night. I mean, that's what we've tried to do. Pick a night that's family night. And then we have a defer to second night if we miss family night. And then we're not legalistic about it. If we didn't get it that week in those two nights, then we wait and we get it the next week. But if we didn't get it that week, we definitely want to try and get it the next. I mean, we just take that as a priority. But another thing that you might do is say, hey, let's all bring something to dinner on family night this week that is um, a fond memory item, whatever it is, something that you really appreciate about a memory that you can bring something and share that memory. And I mean, those moments can turn to such meaningful expressions. Do you understand how simple this is, what I'm talking about doing? Do you know how valuable this is that I'm talking about when we get in the ark of our home and the altar of the table and we're talking to our family in a way that it's meaningful, deep, substance conversation, not just celebration, happy meal, fries, you know, on the run, celebration, everything exciting, but we actually stop all of that. I'll never forget when I told my kids, I'm going to put my phone on airplane mode from now on when we're eating dinner, and they started clapping their hands. Like you would think we'd have to tell the kids that, but no, they have to tell dad that because I got this game, 6,540. <laughs> no, because my phone rings and dings and bings all the time. And so airplane mode for dinner created celebration in the house. And they were like, you know what? They were just thirsty for time that was unadulterated, uninterrupted, something deeper, more meaningful. And I had to really allow the Lord to convict me of that. Will you allow the Lord to convict you in this regard? Some of you really need to pay attention to what I'm saying and bring some practical personal application in the way you walk this out. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And in just a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to come to the table of the Lord. Jesus, through his broken body and his shed blood, invites us to the table to live in fellowship and friendship with God our Father. Is that a beautiful expression or what? I mean, it's amazing. And so today we've set up various tables, um, and I'll kind of point you to those in just a few moments. But I'm going to first tell you this, because I think this is an important tie-in for what, how we're going to conclude today. I want to ask you this week, purpose and enriching table experience in your home. This is your action point. We bring God's presence to real life. We don't just come celebrate God's presence. We walk that out practically. That's what a GP2RL is. We bring God's presence to real life. So your action point this week, purpose, an enriching table experience in your home. Whether that's the candle, whether that's a memory, where everybody brings their Bible. One of my favorite things to do, where are you reading? Let me see that, that real Bible that we're turning the page. Our whole family does that together. It's amazing the conversation God is having. However that looks for you, purpose, an enriching uh, table experience in your home this week. And maybe consider who you should invite into that mix to be a part of that. 